Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Blind Skeleton Online Radio. You are listening to Blind Skeleton Online Radio. I am your host, Bonaparte, sitting beside my co-host, Yulia. Hello. And you are listening to a special Twas the Night Before Yule broadcast, because it is, in fact, the night before Yule. Sure is. This year, Yule falls on the 21st of December, happens to fall on the same day as the solstice, if I am not mistaken. Uh, Yule is the solstice, so that is, uh, they are one and the same. And there you have something I did not know. I actually thought there were two separate dates. Oh yeah, no, no, no. No, Yule is the actual solstice, um, but it started off, you know, back in the day when people started celebrating um, the longest night. Of course, they didn't have scientific instruments to measure that kind of thing, so they uh, just sort of guesstimated uh, whatever night felt longest and coldest was Yule, and it was right around now. So, and and it would have been the Germanic people back in the day, the Germanics and the the Scandinavians, and they definitely know what long, cold, dark nights are all about. And they, I'm sure they had a good idea of guessing. Yep, we're done. Yes. We're going to celebrate now. Well, people who were keen observers, um, so the name Solstice, uh, it was actually a, a, a word long before um, astronomers used it. Solstice literally translates to sun stands still. So, uh, you know, especially up in those northern countries, the sun appeared to just kind of come up and not go anywhere and go right back down. So that's, and they thought that was a little freaky, so they decided to mark it, and they noticed it happened every year, and, well, we'll get into that. There's a lot of details. I have a lot of, I got a lot of, I got to say. Well, yeah, you know, the, our, our, our ancestors, our forefathers, you know, they didn't have our scientific knowledge, but they were not stupid. No. You no, know, they certainly saw how the world worked around them. Sure. You know, they, they saw the, the sunrise and set, and the, the moon go through its phases, and they built out calendars and growing seasons around know what they knew was going to happen oh it was critical it was critical to their survival um because they had to pay attention to uh you know weather patterns and patterns of daylight and things because their literal survival depended upon it um whether it was hunting you know and, and animals going into hibernation or migrating you know versus when uh crops could be grown to livestock and, you know, when lambing season was and all that sure. kind of thing. So, yeah, it was it was crucial for them to pay attention to the seasons. Yeah, I mean, absolutely in the, the northern countries as well, you know, where the growing season is not nearly as long as it is, you know, in the south. For sure. And even in Egypt, of course, they would, you know, build their, in a lot of their society around the flooding of the Nile. Mm-hmm. You know, when would they be able to start growing crops and know that they would grow? Yep. So. People have been in tune with nature as, uh, as long as there have been people. And uh, it's something that I think we're kind of getting away from, and that's unfortunate. It is. It, it definitely is. I mean, the, I mean, obviously, today, Yule and Christmas share a lot of similarities. Uh, there have been a lot of crossbreeding, let's say, between the two. For sure. You know, ancient cultures. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I think we've lost track of a lot of why we did it in the first place. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So before we continue to ramble on, like I know what, that we could, we're going to start off the show with with some music, like I want to do. Uh, we have a, a record from 1920 um, called simply Ye Olden Yuletide Hymns. Uh, this wonderful piece of goodness is sung to us by the Columbia Stellar Quartet. This is on the Columbia record label as opposed to the Victor record label, which I usually do play music from. And this is side one of two. We won't get into side two yet. We're going to enjoy side one. And here is the olden Yuletide favorites. (laughs) 
spend a moment just to share and point out that we do play these records live. You know, they do come from the Blind Skeleton collection. Uh, they are not pre-recorded. Well, they're pre-recorded in the sense that they're on a record, but they are played properly on a on a turntable and they are not played as an mp3. They do come from our collection and they're very fun to listen to in that sense. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're hearing these for the first time too. <laughs> <laughs> At least I am. Uh, and that was... Uh, <laughs> decidedly un yule like um obviously those were those were sacred hymns um the second one i did not recognize the first one of course um was a was it a little town of bethlehem it was and then yes. the third one i can't remember the the actual name of the hymn but uh, i've sung it a zillion times but the second one i didn't i i'm unfamiliar with i could, and i could not hear the the words uh properly to even guess what it was, but uh, definitely not Yule. <laughs> yeah. and, and of course, back when the recording infant recording industry was still in its infancy, uh, they would not have recorded something that they would have considered pagan or insulting to the, you know, the Christian mentality at the time. Uh, I think it would have been very fantastic to hear an old Viking song sung as the way it should be and recorded on shellac. Uh, I think that would be very fascinating, but it certainly never would have been done. Well, and it's not even possible. Um, it, 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 even if they could do it, they uh, techn technologically, if, if they could do it, um, they could not physically do it because actually very little written accounts of how midwinter festivities were run uh, actually exist. There's very little actual... Um, recorded history well, you know it's true the the celts did not keep a recorded history uh, the vikings did in a sense but it was mostly after the fact mm -hmm. you know when they started writing down sagas and such and that was after the introduction of christianity right you no know, so a lot of what we would have thought of as midwinter and midwinter festivals would have actually come to us from the romans right when they wrote down their descriptions of what the celts were doing in you know the british isles well funny you should mention the romans because they had their own midwinter celebration which was much 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 different than what the uh, vikings and the anglo-saxons were doing so the vikings had yule and they used the they used the word yule 
um, the, the Anglo-Saxons had something called Modranacht, um, which translates to Mother Night. Um, and that actually, there's, there, we're not even sure why they called it that. There's a couple theories. It could be literally Night of the Mothers, or it could be the night that is the mother to everything else. It's, it's, there's scholarly debates. <laughs> I, I, I can definitely see it being the night where we begin to get daylight again. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But the, the Romans had something, they had their own midwinter festival, and it lasted about a week. It was called Saturnalia. Uh, of course, the name Saturn is in there, and it was the, the, the celebration of the god Saturn, and they would make sacrifices to Saturn, and it was a week of a debauchery. Well, it was Roman. It was Roman. And um, and uh, all of these celebrations kind of had the same thing in common. And it was the fact that it was the darkest night, for one. So, I mean, picture it. There's All they had was, you know, oil lamps, fires, and that was it. Like, nobody could flip on a light switch. So imagine how right. dark it must have been. And how long and how dark and you know you know how we kind of get depressed and like it's kind of down sure. when, the, when yeah. the nights draw in and things like that well imagine how they felt yeah <laughs> okay so they had all of that going for them it was very very dark but also the crops were all harvested they couldn't grow anything all of the livestock were not birthing or anything like that there were no lambs dropping there were there was none of that um so many animals had migrated already or had gone into hibernation. So hunting was not something that people were doing a whole heck of a lot of. And so there was just nothing to do. <laughs> if you don't have crops and you can't hunt and it's dark and you can't see. So what else are you going to do? In a party. You're going to have a party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However you choose to celebrate it. Some, some, some cultures celebrated it very reverently and they drew inside and they saw it as being this mystical time, which I think is kind of cool. But then, you know, there's the other side of the coin where people are like, shoot, it's it's dark. Nothing left to do yeah. but, but drink and have a good time. And... Well, the, the Romans also had 12 months of 30 days. Uh, oh, right. so, so they did want to just, they added their own leap year. And if memory serves, this week was their leap week to to marry up the rotation around the sun with yes. the rotation of the moon correct yes correct so uh yeah um yule is tomorrow yule which is the solstice um did you have any questions about any traditions that you'd like to ask or i, do, I do explore or? i i have I'll heard do my best <laughs> i have heard um and i've spoken before previously in various other discussions, the topic of the Yule log always comes up. Okay. Um, but I'm sure that there's something more to it than just grabbing a log and throwing it on a fire. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you what I do. <laughs> um, usually, usually a Yule log is a, uh, uh, a, a large log of some kind of um, evergreen or hardwood. And the way I... The way I would burn a Yule log is I would dress it with greens and all kinds of decorations. And I would probably, like, tie it up with some holly and some berries and things and maybe bless it. And um, part of my Yule tradition is I like to write, and I have my friends do this too, I, I like to write on little scraps of paper hopes and wishes for the upcoming new year fold it a couple times and then we'll actually fold it three times if we want to get technical three times towards you then you stick it inside the you tuck it onto the yule log and when everybody's done then you burn the yule log and you kind of send the prayers up that way oh, interesting why three times uh three is an important number um you know you have your maid mother crone um three is a really important number in wicca okay um it's it's mystical okay you so know, you think of the if you think of like the moon, how you have the waxing crescent, the full moon, and the waning crescent. That's, okay. That's a three. Sure. The triketra. You know, there's okay. there's there's a lot of uh, three is a, a, a symbolic number. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so we've got some other fun things coming up for everyone listening in a little bit. Um, right in the meantime, we're going to flip over the record <laughs> and subject ourselves to side two of Ye Olden Yuletide Hymns. Side two of ye olden Yuletide hymns. That was super Christmassy. That was very super Christmassy. It was not quite the upbeat that I was expecting it to be, but it was definitely Christmassy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all right. Um, and I feel it necessary here at this juncture to uh, state that caroling, Christmas carols, and not not all religious music are Christmas carols. You know, we think of carols. Um, as being like, how can I put this? Not all carols are Christmas carols and not all Christmas music are Christmas carols. Caroling, there's a, there's a strict definition of caroling. And actually there is, Christians came up with caroling as a direct result of pagan wassailing, which is completely different, but because 
Christians felt the need to make Christianity fun, uh, they decided to <laughs> implement this. They, they decided to um, uh, put, they wanted to, to give people an excuse to sing and dance and much in the way that wassailing gave people, you know, wassailing was fun. Wassailing was cool because, and I'll get into the, the difference in, in a minute, but um, the Christians wanted to make Christianity fun. So they introduced Christmas carols. And of course, all of these songs had a religious bent to them. And eventually the singing, rather the dancing and stuff fell away from the carols, but the carols existed. In fact, somewhere... I've got a book, it's the Oxford Book of Carols, and it's carols for literally all year, like Easter carols. That's pretty amazing. And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it was, a, di- it was a, a direct response and reaction to wassailing, which is something that pagans did. And wassailing is a whole lot different. Well, was wassailing not just going around singing neighbor to neighbor to try to get them to get you beer? Uh, kind of. So... <laughs> What you caroling, you do kind of in praise, like caroling. Caroling, all of that music is is music praising God, right? Um, but wassailing, you do. It's it's sort of now. I wrote down some notes here. It's both a blessing and a wish for prosperity. So what you would do is you would go door to door to your neighbors to your community and you would sing to them you would sing to their health and you would sing to their prosperity here we come with sailing yeah 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 yeah. and love and joy come to you and to your your wassail too and god bless you and send you a happy new year exactly right yes so you're you're going to your friends and neighbors you're wishing them prosperity and if you sing really well and you really lay it on thick uh your neighbors, if they're good people, will fill your bowl with something warming and and delightful. Um, And hopefully strong. Yes, yes, because did I mention it was cold and dark? (laughs) Um, But wassailing, interestingly, you don't just do it to people. You do that to, you wassail your crops. You sing to, if you keep bees, you sing to your beehives. If you keep livestock, you wassail your livestock. You know, it's, it's, it's like you're saying a blessing over these things that bring life and, and comfort and sustainability to you. It's it's really kind of neat. I like the idea of wassailing like your household and, well, definitely, and, and yeah. your children and, and, I don't know, your cats. Yeah, well, we take it for granted, but I can definitely see you know ancient peoples viewing the spoken language and the sung language as very magical. Absolutely, absolutely. Words have power, and I, I do believe that still, but um, they really believed it. Words definitely have power. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do one more song here, and then I think we might take a quick segue, or a not-so-quick segue, into a new poem oh, yes. you know, written by the Blind Skeleton folks here. Um, coming up next, we've got something that is far from an old Columbia Stellar Quartet song. Uh, we are moving quite forward in time to 1935, and we are going to play Jingle Bells by Benny Goodman and his orchestra. Cool.
And that was neither a carol, nor was it a sail, nor was it a yuletide hymn. But that was a lot of fun. That was Benny Goodman doing Jingle Bells. Yeah, that was really good. There's a reason that stuff's classic. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's from 1935, and it still is not old. Nope. Okay, so I'm going to take one moment to do a quick segue. Um, if you enjoyed that, you will enjoy Friday, Saturday, and Sunday mornings at 7.30 as we take a break from all of the standard Christmas fare and do instead some old, fun Christmas music, 7.30 in the morning Eastern Time here on Blind Skeleton Radio. Um, with that said, I'm going to pass over the microphone to Yulia for a while, who has a poem to read. Uh, it is called Twas the Night Before Yule, and it is an original. I did not write it. Uh, you did. I did. I did. <laughs> and it's a delight, and uh, I think the world uh, needs to hear it, so uh, I'll be happy to read it for you if you like. Please do. Okay, all right. Pardon me. Okay, Twas the Night Before Yule. Twas the Night Before Yule. And all through the land, witches began to prepare with their items in hand. As the heart of the night with stars shining bright, the witches prepared for the magical rite. Candles and incense and cauldrons so grand, crystals that shimmered like stars o'er the strand. In forests so deep, where the old oaks stand tall, they gathered in circles, heeding the goddess's call. Herbs gathered with care within the cool evening air, laid out on the altar with precision and flair. Potions were brewed with care and with love, invoking the blessings from the moon up above. The cauldron bubbled and hissed as the potion was kissed, by the flame of the fire and the mystical mist. Mystical runes carved in wood, bark, and stone, cast into fires, their secrets unknown. Gems glowed with a power in the midnight hour, aligned with the planets, unleashing their power. Within a circle aglow and robes white as the snow, they lifted arms high for their magical show. Chants echoed through trees on the whispering breeze, calling forth energies with the greatest of ease. The air filled with music, a hauntingly tune, sung by the witches under the bright winter moon. With wands made of holly and mistletoe bound, they danced and they chanted, their feet kissed the ground. Sacred symbols they drew in the morning dew, each line and each curve with intentions true. In unity they stood in the sacred wood, bound by a power only witches understood. Owls hooted nearby, neath the starlit sky, witnessing magic that made spirits fly. As the solstice drew near, their spirits took flight, celebrating the return of the sun's golden light. And I heard them exclaim as they vanished from sight, Happy Yule to all, and to all a good night. Well, thank you. You've, you've read that a whole lot nicer than I would oh, have. That it. was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> well, 
thank you. Yes. That, it's a lovely poem. It's it's really beautiful, and it it very much captures the essence of uh, what this festival means to me. Awesome. That's that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. I did not have them exclaim as they flew out of sight. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, um, I just, uh, I, this is a really special night for me, um, well, tomorrow, actually, is the solstice, so, yeah. Yes, tonight is the night, night before, before Yule. Yule, yes, <laughs> absolutely, yes, and Krampus does not come tonight, the Icelandic cat does not come tonight, it's just a night that's really long and dark. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, Krampus's deal, he was, that, his gig was on the 5th. Yes. Which yeah. is the day before, uh. St. Nicholas, or, yeah, St. Yeah. Nicholas's feast day, which is the 6th. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, in Iceland, their big cat would roam the land and eat people that did not get new clothing. I love that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, it, was it people that didn't get new clothing or people that didn't wear their new clothes? I think clothes? it was not wear their new clothing, yeah. yes. Yeah, Yes, because, and I believe that was a way to get people to wear their new clothing to stay warm, not on these long, cold nights. Huh. As opposed to try and keep them, you know, fresh until later. It's like, no, it's cold out. You know, you've got to, you got to wear these good clothes. Yeah, because like, usually these folkloric individuals were sort of enhanced to create behaviors in people. Absolutely, <laughs> right? yes. Yes, whether it was to get children to behave Ella Santa Claus or to get children to behave Ella Krampus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was good cop, bad cop. But yeah. like the cat thing kind of mystifies me, although I, I have this uh, mental image of a Christmas cat, you know, going up to households a la Tim Gunn from Project <laughs> Runway. <laughs> chastising people about their fashion choices <laughs> your socks do not match make it work yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course there are other cultures that have their own midwinter um festival or myth folklore i mean sure. italy of course had their witch you know which performed she performed a very similar function that saint nicholas did though know, she would fly around and fill you know shoes with small gifts Sure. Or leave coal for those that, I guess, needed to stay warm. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure why coal would be a bad thing when you're yeah. looking to stay warm. I think coal is kind of, coal is kind of dear, isn't it? Like that's yeah. that's something that you kind of wouldn't be too unhappy right. about having because at least you know you could burn that. It's yeah. Useful. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think you might get upset if you burned your new toys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Don't burn as long or as hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to segue to another song now because mm. I do love these old songs. Um, and we are moving back in time again to 1922. And we are playing a song from the International Novelty Orchestra. They're a, a fun band back in the day, capital T, capital D. Uh, they recorded on the Victor label. And this one is appropriately entitled for the discussion tonight, Twinkling Star.
and that was Twinkling Star by the International Novelty Orchestra. They were a, a semi-famous group back in the 1920s that recorded for Victor. And you can tell that that particular record is getting up there in age with all the static and hissing. And well, it's not necessarily just a representation of age. You know, a perfectly new shellac record would not have that hissing behind it, as it would not just be clean, but it would be fresh. The more that these records are played, the more that the grooves in them get worn. And as a result of that, some of the sound fidelity gets worn with it, since it's actually the grooves that contain the sound. And since these old shellac records were intended to be played with a steel needle, as opposed to the fine diamond tips that we have today, Oh. The more that they got played, the more they got worn, and the more hiss that ended up being heard as a result of it. It was really because they were well-loved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it does. Very, very interesting things. These old shellac records are, are pretty amazing. They're incredibly brittle. They break almost by looking at them. It's amazing that they're still any... Really? I didn't realize they were that fragile. Oh, they are at... You could drop one from about 12 inches and it'll break. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's good. To, I, listen, I, I, I had no idea. I thought they were a lot more durable than that. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's why vinyl is great, too. Uh, oh, absolutely. Vinyl yeah. is much more forgiving. Yeah. 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 Super cool. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to take a, a non sequitur. It's not, this is not even a segue. This is a non sequitur. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in preparation for, for tonight and for tomorrow, um, I wanted to write down some of the things that uh, are, I, I want to say, I, not at all pagans slash Wiccans um, do things this way, but um, there, are, there are several traditional things that, that people tend to do. For, for this holiday, um, witches tend to kind of turn inward. It's, it's a time to take stock. It's a lot, it, it's a lot like New Year, right? You know, it, you t- take the time to turn inward, take stock. Um, you, uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you what I wrote down because uh, I borrowed some of this. I actually have um, something called, I get it every year, it's wonderful. It's full of recipes and thoughts and it pulls from a bunch of different traditions and it's, it's great, it's called the uh, Witch's Date Book. And Llewellyn Publishing puts one out every year. And this is courtesy of Rachel Henderson, who wrote down some really lovely thoughts about Yule and some things that you might want to incorporate into your own household. Um, Because a lot of them, a lot of these traditions are not, it's not just for, for the eccentrics. You know, you can, anybody can do these things. You know, and if it speaks to you, I encourage you to, to give it a try. Um... If you are like full tilt Wicca, uh, like I am, uh, you'd want to use this time to cleanse and consecrate your altar, your tools, your talismans, that kind of thing. And and I like to cleanse mine with smoke. So I will burn incense that contains myrrh um, to cleanse my stuff. And you literally just kind of hold it in the smoke and cleanse it around, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, This is a time of year, and I'm sure a lot of people have done this for eating and drinking warming things like mulled wine, mulled cider, things with kind of spicy uh, herbs and and spices added to them like cinnamon and clove and ginger. Right. You know, things to warm you up from the inside. Um, If you, if spell work is your thing, this is a good time to sit down and think about your goals for 2024 and things that you might want to bring about in your life. It's also a good time for uh, shadow work, which, and this seems like a really strange time of year to do that because everybody's telling you it's the most wonderful time of the year and everybody's telling you you have to be happy, 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 happy. And my faith tradition is like, no, (laughs) not so much. You want to use this time to maybe address some of the things that you want to change in your life. You know, really, really take a good, hard, honest look at yourself and and the things that you want to change in your life. And this is like not this is like New Year's resolutions on steroids. This is like not 
making, you know, this is not saying I got to go to the gym five days a week. This is like, I need to get my spiritual house sure. in order. I need to get my, I, I need to get my mind right. This, these are things, these are patterns that I'm, that I have. Perhaps that bring to... some inner peace to yourself. Correct. Correct. Um, uh, this is a great time if you are into rituals. I described one of my rituals earlier with the Yule Log. You did? Um, if there were snow on the ground, <laughs> I would hate it. But I would also... <laughs> Don't laugh at me. <laughs> I would hate it, but I would also go out and collect some. Because I would then take it and put it in my freezer and use it in spell work later on. Uh, Interesting. The course okay. of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, in that vein, it's also a good time because the veil is thin because it's so dark. When I talk about the veil, I'm talking about the boundaries between this world and the world we can't see. So this is a great time for doing divination. So if divination is your thing, um, if you scry, if you read runes, if you read cards, if you read leaves, if you know, that kind of stuff. Um, this is a great time to do it. Um, and also some people in their households will leave out offerings for their uh, passed on sainted loved ones. And some people, it, it varies. Sure. It's kind of like leaving cookies out for Santa. Right. <laughs> Except usually for me, it's a bowl of oatmeal with some butter. Okay, interesting. So yeah, yeah. something comforting, something yeah. warming. Yeah, um, well, yeah, warming and filling. This is the time of year for oatmeal. It really is. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, with a little bit of maple syrup. Yeah, yeah, really yeah, absolutely. A couple yeah. of fried eggs on the side. Yeah, yeah. You gotta have your protein. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so does that make it very similar then to like Day of the Dead rituals? Mm, kind of. Uh, not so much. Like Halloween or Samhain uh, in my circles um, is more like Day of the Dead, and because the again the veil is thin then as well. Um, and some people choose to look at that as the the pagan slash wicked new year, um, but uh, it, it really depends on 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 how you're wired and what you what 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 speaks to you the most um, is how best to celebrate it. But yeah, I I like I like to treat this kind of like Day of the Dead, okay. because um, because it is so dark. Sure. And. Um, now you're you're talking, of course, dark from a light standpoint, dark as opposed a, to not, yeah, not yeah. dark like like ooh. yeah, no, right. no, no, no. <laughs> it's it's there's a lack of light, and um, I think that it brings, I think it brings the unseen world closest to us. Sure. Uh, during this time, yeah. that's just the way I feel. I could be wrong. Other people will disagree, but that's okay. They can. Yeah, they're certainly allowed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. But those are just some of the the traditions that 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 I partake in, and uh, I mentioned the the Yule log. Um, I have a hunk of wood out front, and I'm gonna take it and do my thing with it, and I'm gonna burn it up tomorrow. Well, that, yeah, that that's nice. I um, I might have a Yule match at home, you know, that I could <laughs> I could burn through. Hey, whatever yeah, works, man. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and you know, occasionally I will admit that I would not mind gathering up all the Christmas lights and Yule burning them. Um, right. They they do frustrate me. I might suggest a bigger fire pit. <laughs> a little bit of gas. Yeah. Kerosene. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here are the lights. Yeah. Yes, they yeah. are bright. Um. So yeah, that's uh, that's all I have to say about uh, the Yule traditions. Um. Oh, while. That record was spinning. We were talking about mistletoe, and we were going to discuss that. We, we, right? we were. We were yeah. going to discuss it. Um, I think what we're going to do first, though, is to segue into the mistletoe discussion, is we will play a mistletoe song. This is the Mistletoe Kiss. Uh, this is by Russ Morgan and his orchestra. This would have been recorded in the 30s. I haven't looked it up. Okay. Um, but it would have definitely been in the 30s. And who is the band leader again? I'm sorry. Um, the name is Russ Morgan. And his orchestra, and this is on the Deca label. Yeah. So it, I'm sure it'll be a good one.
party starts and the night is young. Go and find where the mistletoe's hung. And if standing there is a pretty miss, get yourself a mistletoe kiss. If she looks at you with the wondering eyes, just pretend it's a big surprise. You can find romance and a lot of bliss. So we certainly have in Western society the idea of kissing under mistletoe. It's you know, uh, an amusing thing at some Christmas parties as people throw mistletoe around and chase people around with it. Uh, do you have any idea where that would have come from? I do. Please tell us, because I do not. <laughs> so mistletoe uh, used to be revered for its healing properties, uh, some of which, of course, are dubious uh, at best. Um, but uh, there is actually no evidence whatsoever linking mistletoe to any midwinter holiday. Interesting. Yes. So um, the traditional greenery that was brought inside to decorate first temples then churches then individuals homes it was usually holly and ivy sure because that's all you could find in the winter right and evergreens later on but that was a that that was a german thing and that christmas trees were not actually a thing uh until i want to hold on the 1800s no 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 it was earlier than that um 1600s okay 1604 uh some dude had a bright idea to bring it, uh, an evergreen tree into a church and put fire on it and see how that went. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, apparently it worked. Apparently <laughs> it worked, yeah. Nothing. Kept people warm. No one died. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so, um, Pliny the Elder, I think it was Pliny the Elder, wrote um, about, um, he was a historian, you know, he wrote stuff down. He was yeah. one of these people that thought, hey, I'd better write this stuff down because somebody might look at it later. Right. So uh, he wrote down an account of mistletoe growing on an oak tree, mm-hmm. um, which was somewhat of a rarity. Now, mistletoe does not grow on the ground. It only ever grows on trees, out of trees, out of branches of trees. And it never grows on an oak. So... When the druids, some druid somewhere saw it, saw mistletoe growing on an oak and they like freaked out and it caused a sensation. And so they made a big deal about cutting it down and it was a big ceremony and it it was special. The mistletoe was then special. From there, things get foggy. Um, The account... uh, sort of canonized mistletoe as being something special and how it got associated with the holidays nobody's really quite sure but uh 
Kissing under the mistletoe was not even really a thing until the 1700s. Um, and there are written down accounts of it, of people doing it, but there's no real connection as to how that started. Okay. It kind of got lost, but as that song pointed out, it was probably invented by some teenage boy <laughs> 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 who wanted to get some attention from some gullible girl. <laughs> So, uh, but, you know, all of that aside, the mistletoe was said to have had uh, mystical properties and healing properties. And I'm sure that, you know, people were waving it over each other for other reasons. Um, sure. Back in the day. And then yeah. somehow it got uh, <laughs> perversed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, all good inventions were either stemmed from somebody who was looking to get something or they were just lazy. And wanted to find a way to do something. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I, I can definitely see, you know, some 16-year-old boy thinking, hey, I can get a kiss. Yeah, like, well, watch I, this, read, Bob. Some, I yeah. read somewhere that it's it, this is it's good luck to, yeah. to kiss under the mistletoe. And if you don't, you know, maybe something bad will happen. So just to be sure, you better, you know, yeah. pucker up, buttercup. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and by the way, that is your mom and dad over there. So let's <laughs> tell them exactly what's going on. It's the yeah. mistletoe here. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Okay. okay. So that about brings us to the end of our show for today. And everybody said yay. yay. <laughs> Thank you all for listening in. We certainly appreciate it. If you are available awake and up Friday morning, 7.30 a.m., we will have another live show, 30 minuts of Christmas music that is not wham. I'm sure you will all appreciate that. And coming up next at the top of the hour, we do have our next installment of The Cinnamon Bear. If you have not been listening to The Cinnamon Bear, I do encourage you to do so. We will have the entire run of The Cinnamon Bear this coming Sunday, all six and a half hours of it, starting at 8 o'clock. Wow. And to bring us in through the end of the show, we have... Mark Andrews and his pipe organ doing some Christmas fantasy work. Yay. <laughs>